0: Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. I hope everybody is hanging in there and doing okay. And one of the reasons I chose today's topic is because I've been doing a lot of phone sessions and video sessions with clients, and people are stressing. So, You know, everybody's trying their best to be patient and all of that. So the title of this show is called COVID-19 Blues, (laughs) because it kind of sums up what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Um, You know, it's interesting. I I have such an amazing bunch of clients, and they're really generally very intelligent, very positive people. And... For the most part, everyone I've talked to, whether it's family, friends, clients, are doing their best to keep a decent attitude, to stay um, upbeat as best as possible. But the overall theme that I'm seeing happening with this COVID-19 quarantine, shelter-in-place, social distancing, and social isolation thing is that it is wearing on people. And I wanted to take this first part of the show to tell you what I'm seeing and what a lot of people are talking to me about and even things I'm experiencing myself. And then I want to talk to you about what are some of the healthy and unhealthy ways that we're dealing with this. And I want to leave you with some coping tools so that you can survive till this thing ends. And and that's one of the problems is we don't know when the end is coming. So this is not about politics. I'm not trying to talk about whether this is legitimate or not or whether the quarantine is necessary or not. Those issues are for somebody who has far more expertise in those areas than I do. My expertise is in the area of where are we stressed and what's going on and how do we do this? So, the longer this quarantine goes on, the more stressed and the less happy many people become. And let's look at why that is. You know, think about the times you've been on vacation, and it takes you three or four or five days just to begin to relax, and then you start to have a good time, and then you have to gear up toward getting back for work. When you go on vacation, you generally have an idea of how long this is going to last. I'm going to be on vacation for a week or two weeks, and maybe if you're really lucky, you get to go somewhere for a month. And you know what's happening, you've planned for it, and you've kind of figured out this is how I'm going to do it. When somebody has something going on that is not time limited, they they don't have control over when it ends, then that requires a whole different set of skills than just planning for a vacation. So the lack of control the unknown quantities of this the uncertainty are what are really starting to weigh on people the other thing that is happening is couples are really starting to have a difficult time and and not everybody of course but yeah i've seen couples that even have really good relationships are starting to kind of pick at each other or um be irritable uh, there's changes in eating and sleeping there's changes in the amount of alcohol people are consuming And all of those things can lead to irritability, communication problems, um, changes in routine, and that can wear on a couple or wear on a relationship or wear on a family. So that kind of tension is being affected in relationships, Um, and it's scary and it's trying. So if your family's struggling or your relationship is struggling, you're not alone. I'm hearing that from a lot of people. And we're going to talk about some coping skills at the end of the show to see if we can keep you guys on track. Just remember that this, too, will end. And we will be able to get back to a more public life. And we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But it will end and we will end some of this isolation, but in the meantime, it'd be nice to end the isolation with your family and your relationship intact, and hopefully your bank account, so the stress of this is just, has been really difficult for many people, all right, so one of the things I see happening a lot is that people's sleep patterns are changing, and their eating patterns are changing, Um, boredom leads to a whole lot of snacking and things like that, Um, you get into that, take a nap in the middle of the afternoon, and then you don't want to go to bed till 12 or 1 o'clock at night. Um, There's restlessness happening with sleeping. If you've ended up drinking a whole bottle of wine at night or drinking too much in the evening, that can disrupt your sleep when you're not used to it. You have to remember, the getting up and going to work creates a lot of behaviors in people that regulate who we are and what we do. When you don't have to get up at 5 o'clock to get ready for work or 6 o'clock to get ready for work, um, it's easy to say, I can just have that extra glass of wine. When you don't want to sleep like garbage and have to get up early because you have to get to the office and get things done, that's some of what regulates your behavior. It makes you go to sleep. It makes you not have that extra glass of wine. And you have your regulated day for getting up and eating and, you know, packing your lunch for work, or doing what you normally do food-wise. So, if you have been in total chaos with how you eat, what you eat, um, how you're doing things like drinking, or I had uh, one person I talked to who's just kind of smoking pot all day long because they can, and they're starting to feel the effects of that in terms of they're gaining weight, they're feeling really listless and unmotivated. And so, Those are the type of behaviors that alter our schedules and our regulation, which then alters our mood, which then affects our relationships, whether it's how you parent, how your kids are, how you are with your partners. So stop and take a look at that for just a minute. As this goes on further and further, and you just keep waiting to go back to normal, you tend to not try to regulate what's happening in a, you know, a real productive way. So it's, it's difficult because it, it's um, irrit- irritating and it's like you're holding your breath or you're holding, you're on hold, you're waiting. The other thing I'm hearing a lot of is people are very sad. Um, events are being canceled. I know somebody whose wedding is coming up at the end of June How do you decide to send the invitations out or not? Should I spend all that money? If any of you that have ever planned a wedding know that all the deposits, all the the, even the invitations alone cost a fortune to print and to mail. Um, Do do you do it? Do you mail them out? Do you cancel the caterer? Cancel the DJ? What do you do at this point for something at the end of June? You've got a vacation planned in September. Are you going to be able to go? Uh, many of you have had to cancel reservations and vacations. Family weddings, funerals, uh, family, family reunions, uh, vacations have all been disrupted and at, oftentimes at an extreme cost to people. Uh, I know of a workshop that's planned for the end of June, and they people are canceling right and left and wanting their money back, but the money can't be returned from the event that's holding the workshop because they've gone bankrupt or they're they're out of money. Whether they're going to end up filed for bankruptcy, I don't know. But they're out of money, so they can't refund the deposit so the people can't get their money back. And everybody's just reeling from this. So the disappointment of important events and family functions and not being able to go to your funeral a funeral for somebody, it's just very, very difficult. I have another person I know, her daughter's husband died of a heart attack, and she can't go to her daughter, and it's just ripping at her soul. Her daughter's in terrible pain from an unexpected death, and then in the death it gets all caught up in the COVID-19 thing, and it wasn't a COVID-19 death, um, but it's now caught up in the whole issue with all of this so it's it's difficult it's sad it's anxiety producing it's irritating and people are reeling and that's what we're talking about today it's just creating the blues for everybody so we're going to go to break and when we come back i i want to talk some of the about the stress and distress and some specific things that happen around this we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. I was just letting you listen to that for a moment. Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist, playing some beautiful, soothing music. His music is for this time right now. You can go to randymaginnis.com, check out his six CDs. He's also on YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, iTunes. Uh, beautiful, beautiful music. He's an amazing musician and won all kinds of awards, played all over the world. And thank you, Randy, for letting us use your beautiful music on this show. So we're talking about the COVID-19 blues, and um, I'm trying hard not to sound like Eeyore here because there's part of me that is just like, I'm tired of this. And I'll share a little personal story here. My three-year-old grandson just turned three on Monday, and I missed his birthday because we're all in quarantine and I couldn't go. And it made me very, very sad. And he was so cute. We talked on the phone and did... FaceTime, and and he says, Grandma, we can't visit because there's a virus, and the virus keeps us from visiting, and so it's just so funny. So everyone in the family now is not calling it the virus. We're calling it the virus, and so it almost sounds like walrus when he says it, the virus. (laughs) Anyway, it's very cute, and we'll forever remember that, but I have never missed a grandchild's birthday, and it is just difficult. So um, those of you who can attend some family events and feel blessed enough to be right in the presence of your family. Just don't take that for granted because it is joyful and it's important. And that, I remind myself, this will end and we'll be okay and we'll get to um, go back to family parties and weddings and all of that again at some point. But for right now, it doesn't make you feel any better when you're missing something really important or when you're trying to figure out what to do with your wedding or someone like, um, I was just talking about, whose husband died and her family can't come to her to be with her, to support her in this difficult time. So it just, the waiting, the wondering, the not knowing when it's going to end, the missing out on things, the uncertainty of what's going to happen in the future, The disappointment of having to cancel things, the loss of money and finances, not just from work and income, that's really stressful, but the other things like um, the money you've spent on your wedding, the the vacation that you missed out on, the trying to get your money back for the workshop you applied for and you can't get it back. And it's just, it's frustrating, difficult, and has people on edge. So... Let's look at some of the signs of stress and distress that happen when you're under this kind of stress. One of them is that thing I call busy brain syndrome. You can't shut your head up. You're just thinking about things and you're worrying and every once in a while you figure out something else like a bill that you're going to have trouble paying or uh, trying to apply for a small business loan and, and you can't find any help to do it and you don't know exactly what to apply for. And so your brain goes over and over things, and that busy brain syndrome can take on a life of its own and become extremely stressful. Busy brain syndrome is actually a sign of anxiety. Your worries and your what-ifs are running wild. You're anxious and um, stressing about things you can't control, have no control of, wish you had control of. So the waiting gets harder and harder. The uncertainty keeps going on. And you start to feel irritable and angry and upset and concerned. And then if you're like a lot of people I know who are intelligent, they're spiritually developed, they're trying to keep a good attitude, when you get fearful like that, you try not to go over into being a Debbie Downer, to be anxious, to... Um, say things that then you feel like you look like an idiot because you said them. You don't want to be a whiner. And so then that pressure is there all in and of itself. You know, who wants to sit around boo and looking like a weak idiot? Nobody. But when you're really stressed and you're really worried and you're worried about real things, you're worried about not just, you know can you go spend money on shopping? You're worried about, can I pay my utility bill? Things like that. They're real things that people are worrying about, and it weighs on you. So at the same time that you don't want to look insensitive or ungrateful or like a whiny baby, you are worried, and it is irritating, and the uncertainty is difficult. One of the things that you can do for some help is, i will give you a couple of avenues here. On my podcast, if you type in Dr. Patricia Bay, therapy in a nutshell, my podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, um, the Anchor app, like a boat anchor, anchor.fm. It's an app where you can access it on the computer. There's about 60 titles on there. And there's Busy Brain Syndrome, Anxiety, Anticipatory Anxiety. There's a whole show on Patience. What is patience all about and how do we learn to practice that? There's relationship communication shows. There's a whole lot of stuff on there that you can look at a title and say, yeah, that resonates with me and listen to it. It'll give you some recentering and give you some coping skills for each of these symptoms that you might be feeling. The main thing that I want you to realize is if you're feeling disgruntled, and impatient, and ready for this to end, and starting to feel oppressed, a little bit unhappy, maybe sliding into a little bit of depression, you are not alone. It's what everyone I'm talking to is is saying to me. I have yet to come across somebody who's gone, this is wonderful. Whoa, it's so cool to get all this rest. And I'm just hanging out at home, and I'm painting, and I'm cooking, and I'm just having a great time, and I hope it never ends. Now, I was hearing some of that in the beginning of this. So, you know, four or five weeks ago, people were like, hey, yeah, this could be cool. Because at that point, we were kind of hoping it wouldn't go on for more than a couple weeks or so. But now people are getting done with it. They're fed up. They're tired. They want to go back to their lives. They want to see people that they miss. They've got separation anxiety from friends and family. They even have separation anxiety from work and their routines, uh, from going to the gym, from their yoga class, all sorts of things. So if you're feeling impatient, disgruntled, a little bit depressed, struggling with some anxiety, changes in your sleep, feel like you're eating too much. I haven't, I haven't yet had somebody said this is so hard that I'm not eating. I have not heard that one yet. In fact, I saw a cartoon on Facebook that said, this is a new rule. The refrigerator door won't open unless you step on the scale. <laughs> That's going to stop some people. So people are starting to feel the pressure. And as as we look at the news on TV and you see people around the country starting to get pretty distressed and angry, and feeling oppressed by this, uh, we're seeing people begin to revolt. So let's bring that back into you personally and your household. If you are beginning to see people in the household revolt, your kids are starting to say this is stupid and why are we doing this? You're feeling like I can't do this much longer. You're wanting a break from your partner. You can't get away. Um, those are all really, really normal feelings, and it doesn 't mean you 're a whiny baby. It means that you 're human and this is a struggle. So keep in mo- whoa sorry, I just hit my microphone. That was not good. <laughs> Oops um, so keep in mind that what you 're feeling is normal for this amount of time with the changes that we've been doing and that it's okay for you to feel what you're feeling. In fact, that's the biggest thing that I keep trying to get people to talk to me about when I'm doing sessions on the phone or whatever is what are you feeling and how's it going for you and what's working and what's not and where are you feeling the most stress and what are you doing about that? Because the Biggest thing I see with people is when they tell themselves they should be feeling that way, or it's not okay, or to be quiet, or to be grateful, or to count your blessings. That has never ever really made somebody stop and say, "Oh, you're right. I won't feel this way." In my experience, when you say to somebody, "Yeah, I'm feeling tired of it too," or "Yeah, it does create some anxiety, doesn't it?" and you join with them with the truth, it has to be sincere. That creates more healing and more help than if you start spouting off platitudes, like just be grateful, count your blessings. Uh, We're so blessed. Well, at least you're not starving. Uh, At least you have food on the table. You know, all that does is say you shouldn't be feeling like you're feeling. Something's wrong with you because you can't just be totally spiritually centered during this whole thing. So, that's something that you have to do for yourself. You have to acknowledge this is how you feel, and it's okay. And for other friends and family that say they're sad or having a hard time, it's okay for you to acknowledge how they're feeling, too. You don't have to shove it away. It doesn't help to do that. It doesn't make it okay. All right, so we're going to go to break in a minute. and And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about... What are some specific healthy behaviors I'm seeing, and specifically some unhealthy behaviors, and how can we deal with those? All right, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we are talking about the COVID-19 blues. In this section of the show, if any of you would like to call in um, and add your two cents worth, I would love that. Um, The the phone number here is 530-605-4567. We are live right now, and this is Saturday, April 18th. So if you're listening to this during the show, call in. If you call in when you just listen to it on the podcast, you probably won't get anybody except for my producer who'll say she's not on right now. But if you're listening right now live and you want to call in, I want to talk about some of the healthy behaviors and the unhealthy behaviors that I see people doing or hear of people doing um, during this whole time of quarantine and seclusion and social isolation. And procrastination is a problem that a lot of people have so one of the things I hear is by the time this quarantine is over I want to fill in the blank I want to be walking more I want to have tried some new recipes I want to have the garage cleaned out um I want to paint the back bedroom I pick something that you have been saying you're going to do, but you haven't started doing it yet. Now, some of you are actually working on projects, feeling pretty productive, uh, cooking more, making bread. That's a, the that's a one thing I see people do when they start to have more time. They begin to make bread. And I think that's kind of cool, kind of fun. But so the, some of the healthy behaviors that I've been seeing is people doing something new. I had one client talk to me about working on learning Spanish. Uh, she downloaded a program she's been working on a little bit every day. Um, she's walking around the house with her headphones on, talking Spanish to herself. Um, and she's kind of having fun with that. And that's really good for her in a few different ways. She feels productive. She's learning something new, which is very good for your brain, your neurotransmitters. Um And she's just feeling like she took on something that she's been wanting to do that she hasn't had time to do. Um, The other thing I hear people doing are trying new recipes, um, cooking more elaborate things that they usually don't have time to when they're working all the time. The other thing is a really healthy thing you can do is pick up your instrument. I know a lot of musicians who fall away from their piano playing or their guitar is sitting there in the corner and needs to be tuned. Um, And they've always wanted more time to go back to playing their instrument. There is a wealth of information on YouTube. So if you haven't played your guitar in a long time, pull up a YouTube video that will go back to teaching you a song. Pick a simple song that you've wanted to learn and pull it up on YouTube and I guarantee you somebody will be there teaching it. And that one song can lead to another song. Um, there's a lot of people that have been cleaning out closets, um, the garage, getting rid of stuff, and it's hard to take stuff anywhere. But if you pile it in a corner in the garage and it's going to go to donation as soon as you can, that's really cool. Um, Some people are picking up books that they haven't finished or that they've wanted to read, studying a little more. Um, The biggest thing I hear people saying is, I should... Be exercising more. But when people who are avid exercisers who have a routine, and that routine includes going somewhere to the Zoom class, uh, the Zumba class, going to yoga, going to um, the gym, going to the river trail to run, whatever it is, and they can't do some of those routines that they have, it's very hard for many people to substitute a different routine. So they put it off. They keep thinking, this will end and I'll go back to what I used to do. So the healthy behaviors are when you allow yourself to play around with substituting something else for what you do. And that really helps you feel like you get moving. The other healthy behavior, I, I love that video that I saw on Facebook where the Navy, there was a Navy commander, whatever, who was saying get up and make your bed. When my daughter was in the Navy, she said that the first thing they had to do when their feet hit the floor was to make the rack. And if they did they were in huge trouble. So the military teaches you that. Get up, make your bed. And the whole idea of that is get up, make your bed, and then do something productive. I've been telling my clients that if you do something productive between when you get up and noon, and you actually feel like you've accomplished something, you've cleaned out that closet or you've done something that needed to get done, um, then you can feel a little more energized and productive for the day. And do not underestimate how much that lifts your mood. It's really important. So let's talk about some of the unhealthy behaviors that people tend to do hearing a lot of people binge-watching TV, and okay, fine. Let's say you get something productive done, and you feel like you've done the things you've wanted to do, and you've taken on something new, like you've picked up your guitar, you're learning a less, uh, language, or you're reading a book. And then if you want to binge-watch your Netflix TV show, whatever, that's okay. But if it's the only thing you're doing, and you're spending 10, 11, 12, 14 hours a day just watching series after series after series, that's not necessarily good for you. So the other thing I hear people doing is a lot of different eating, Um, just they're bored. And one of the things you do is you go to the cabinet and you want to pick out something and say, make me feel good for a little bit. Same way with alcohol, um, recreational drugs, um, and then I'm, I'm not talking about addicts and alcoholics. They have a problem that's different. I'm talking about people who normally don't have an issue with alcohol or drugs. They might recreationally smoke pot some, or they might social drink. But when there's no time constraints and you don't have to get to bed and you don't have to get up uh, and you're bored, there might be more alcohol and drug use than you normally would allow yourself or want to do. And I... I'm hearing that from people, that they're admitting to feeling a little tired of that now. Um, Sleeping schedules are way off for many people. They're staying up way late, sleeping later in the morning, taking naps. Um, Their sleep is disrupted from some of the recreational alcohol and drugs that they're doing. Um, And that's changing their mood and their schedules. Also, this is going to end at some point. You are going to be able to go back to work, and you're going to have to reset that whole biological clock, which will add to stress when you go back to work. Um, The other thing that people are binging on is playing video games and isolating themselves from their families, um, getting addicted. Video games can be extremely addicting because of the adrenaline rush that's happening And the feeling of social connection when you're talking... A lot of these video games now are, you know, you're connected by headset and you're talking to other people, so you're not feeling as alone. The other unhealthy behavior is just being a couch potato. You don't want to get out of your jammies, you're getting up late, you're lazing on the couch. Um, Look around you right now. Are there a bunch of food wrappers all around you? Are you just kicked back on the couch and your grubbies that you haven't washed for three days. When was the last time you took a shower? I'm asking you that. Do you need to shave? When was the last time you shaved? Are, ladies, are, are you still in the same yoga pants? Or did you change from your black yoga pants to your blue yoga pants? and that's, You're going back and forth. Just know, are you doing that because you don't care and you're depressed and you're pulling away? Or are you doing that because it's comfy? It's not necessarily bad, but I want you to stop and take a look at what are the healthy behaviors that you're doing and what are the unhealthy behaviors that you're doing. And that might not be the same healthy or unhealthy behavior for someone else. You know whether what you're doing is good for you or whether you're thinking, I got to stop this. This is not right. Or gosh, I've been meaning to go out and walk more, but oh, you know. I want to. I'd have to get dressed. You know what's healthy and what's unhealthy for you. And if you're avoiding taking a good hard look at how you're handling this quarantine, then maybe you need to stop and take a good hard look at how you're handling things. For you, is this working well for you? Are you more stressed? Are you less stressed? Are you getting depressed? How's your anxiety? Have you taken on anything new that's been productive or good for you? I have one client that's been working like mad in her yard and is feeling awesome because it's looking beautiful and she's planting a vegetable garden and she's just feeling really good about that. And she's looking forward to getting out there every day and it just has been very stress-releasing for her. And it's neat. Now, that might not work for everybody, but it's been great for her and she's been working on it. Um, All right, so healthy behaviors and unhealthy behaviors. Get a pad and a paper and list three healthy behaviors that you've been doing while you've been quarantined and list three unhealthy behaviors that you've been doing that you need to cut back on or stop doing altogether. Now take a look at your relationships. If you have a family or a partner in the home with you, what are three healthy behaviors that you've had with your partner? And what are three unhealthy behaviors? Are you getting irritable? Are you um, not taking a shower? Are you you know you letting things really slide? Are you ignoring things like, hey, let's go out and take a walk together, and you're going, ah, eh, not now, later. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe after lunch, maybe after dinner. What are you doing that feels good, and what are you not real proud of? Okay, so the other thing is when somebody talks to you and says how they're feeling, do you listen? Do you let them talk? Do you acknowledge what they're feeling? Or do you start telling them all the little platitudes? Be grateful. Count your blessings. Well, at least you're not fill in the blank. Okay. But... I want to remind you that what really helps is when somebody shares their stress with you to just listen and don't fix. You can acknowledge and join and empathize when you know when you feel the same way too, but let them talk. Don't take over the conversation with what you're feeling. Listen, and don't offer all the platitudes. Now, toward the end of the conversation, usually when someone's feeling better, that's when they might throw in, yeah, but I am grateful that I can make my house payment, or I am grateful that I've got food on the table. They might throw that in there. That's fine. Let them do it. Don't be the fixer, and you need to make sure you just listen. All right, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, I want to give you a few coping skills, and I want it to help you just feel like you can dig deep. Make it through this last part of this seclusion and quarantine, whether it's going to last another few days, another few weeks, another few months. Let's see if we can make it through. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty. So we're talking about the COVID-19 blues. Trying to make it through all this seclusion and quarantine without going stir-crazy, without wrecking our relationship. It would be nice if we could come out of this time of reflection and availability of time. Being better people, not worse. (laughs) Having a stronger relationship, not a screwed-up one. But... We have to take a good hard look at ourselves, and it's wearing on people, and they're getting tired and irritable and depressed and fearful. So one of the first coping skills I want you to stop and think about is when you start into this thing I call the what-ifs, what if this goes on longer? What if my job isn't there? What if I don't... I'm not able to make my card payment next month. What if, what if, what if? Those are fears. It's also anticipatory anxiety. But for me to say to somebody, well, don't worry about making your card payment next month, that's not realistic. We have obligations, financial constraints. We have things that we have set in place that we have to deal with. So when somebody says, don't worry about that, that the just stop it thing of don't do that has never worked. Just telling someone to relax, it'll take care of itself. No, people have a hard time just letting go of that. So when you're doing a what if, it's important for you to recognize that is a fear. So if you say, what if I can't make my car payment, say that's a fear of mine. What am I afraid of? And the coping skill that I like people to do is I want you to answer yourself. What if, fill in the blank, that is something I'm afraid of. What am I afraid of? I'm afraid if I can't make my car payment, then this might happen. So if that happens, what are you afraid of? So let's let's take that example. If I can't make my car payment, I'm going to get behind. And if I get behind, what's going to happen? Well, what if they repossess my car? I can't afford that. I have equity tied up in that car. I, I, How would I get another one? Say those things out loud and talk about it out loud. Don't have it hidden and just stuffed in your body somewhere. That is what anxiety is made of. Now, I'm not saying that just talking about your what if and naming your fear and putting it out there can fix it. But it, keep it, it can keep it from being an unconscious fear. Now, let's say that you are worried about that. You call the, the car loan people and say, I need to know what's going to happen with this. Or you write down a couple of coping skills. Or you say, I need to talk to my friend who's really super good with these kind of things and get some input. And call up and say, hey, can I talk to you about something I'm worrying about? And you might have some good input for me or some good ideas. That's okay. It's all right for you to know what you're afraid of and why. And for you to do some planning that would help. Okay? Now, there's some things we absolutely can't control. We can what-if ourselves to death with something that we need to let go of. Let me give you an example. What if I get COVID-19 and what if I have to go into the hospital and what if I can't see my family and what if I'm afraid? Okay. Is that a real fear? Sure. But can you control that? Is there anything you can do about that? No. Now, you can follow the guidelines for social isolating and wearing your mask and doing the things to minimize your chance of getting COVID-19, but to to hang on to that fear and stress about it is not productive. So stop and say, What am I what ifing about? And should I do something about that? Or should I just notice that I'm stressing about that, acknowledge it, hold it for a little bit, and let yourself experience it, and then say, There's nothing I can do about that. I'm going to set it aside for now. And you consciously set it aside. Where I p- see people have a hard time is when they're what ifing and they don't really put it into words and they don't take it further and they just bombard themselves with the what ifs. That creates a free floating anxiety that can really destroy your peace. Those of you that struggle with anxiety already know that stop and ask yourself if this whole quarantine, COVID-19, social isolation stuff is making your anxiety worse. Now, sometimes people with social anxiety are doing better because they don't have to socialize. But some people with just free-floating anxiety that worry about money and people and relationships and just all the things are being bombarded with anxiety. So recognize that that's an interesting thing. The other thing is I want you to ask yourself, what do you do for a stress release? My definition of a stress release is something that takes all of your attention. For example, sometimes when I play piano, even if I'm practicing and messing up and going back and doing stuff over or or trying to get a piece back in my hands that I let fall out and I'm screwing it up a lot. When I play piano, sometimes I can get totally lost, and I'll look up and 45 minutes have passed. That's a stress release. You're not thinking of your anxiety, your worries. You're focusing on what you're doing. So what do you do that takes your attention, all of it? Do you have... Anything. And it's usually not TV, because I don't know about you, but I can watch TV and hang out at the same time. I can worry about things and watch TV. Um, And most people can. It's not a total stress release because it doesn't totally mess you in what you're doing. What do you do that takes your whole brain? Now, sometimes that's making a complicated recipe, or playing with a child, or going out for a run, or a bike ride. It can be playing a game. Like think about playing Monopoly with your family and everybody's laughing and talking and having a great time. And that's a stress release. Okay. So look for something that takes your total attention. If you aren't doing anything like that now, what are things you've done in the past that have taken your attention and helped you have a stress release? Often exercise like doing yoga or doing um, aerobics class or something like that, will take your attention. Learning a dance. Get on YouTube and pull up something you have wanted to do. Learn to salsa. Do something that will take your attention and out of what you're doing. It will help your mood and help your anxiety. Um, take a look at the information flow that's coming into your house. I am seeing people stress out with way too much news. I tell you personally, I long for the times when we'd watch half an hour of international news and half an hour of local news, and journalists prided themselves on just giving you facts, and you didn't have to listen to their opinions. And now what's happening is they're trying to fill 24-7 of news, and everybody has an opinion, and they're beating something up over and over and over again, and we hear conflicting opinions, and it's a mess. So, that information flow can be extremely stressful. So, if you have information overload, maybe limit how much you're listening to news or where you're getting your news information from. If you're only getting it from one-sided sources, it's going to increase your stress. And I don't know. I have not seen a good non-biased information system yet. They're all biased from what I've seen. But trying to limit your information and try to make it as least stressful as possible for you will help if you're angsting out and really worrying okay so now remember that two of the most difficult things that are happening right now are uncertainty we don't have control we don't know when this is going to end we're not calling the shots we don't get to say who goes where who does what so there's uncertainty and it's really pushing on whether we are patient or not. There's that whole podcast on patience, and you need to look at uncertainty about letting go of control. It's it's a very difficult thing for us as human beings. We like to have control. So take a peek at those two issues for you. How uncertain do you feel? How much is that really difficult for you? And are you angsting out about that? And where are you patient and where are you not patient? And what would make you more patient? Like, for example, I had a client the other day say that um, her colleagues, that they're all kind of like a family in the office where she works, are meeting once a week on Zoom, that meeting, go-to-meeting thing, and they're having a happy hour together for an hour once a week. And she said it's been really fun. They're laughing and talking, and they're connecting up, saying what they're doing. And they've spent like an hour or two just hanging out together and connecting. And she said that has really helped her. She's a single woman living by herself, and she's really gotten lonely through all of this. So looking forward to that has been helpful for her. Um, She's also... She instituted trying to talk, she and her best friend are trying to talk every afternoon and just touch base and share what they've been doing and trying to encourage each other and she said that has helped as well. I know for me when I um can talk to my grandkids and I've been doing that. I, I like talking to my daughters too, but and I talk to them when I talk to my grandkids. But I tend to have separation anxiety from my grandkids. I want to see them and I want to be with them and hold them and play with them and it's hard not to go to their birthday party or not to have time with them. So, talking to them on Messenger or seeing their little faces, talking about the virus, is good for me. It makes my separation anxiety less from them. So, just in finishing up here, I want you to take a look at where the balance is in your life while you're going through this whole seclusion thing. What are you doing for your mental health? Are you reading some good books? Are you maybe doing phone sessions with your therapist or uh, doing talk space? Um, My daughter, who's a therapist, does talk space, and she says she does some really cool things with clients on that. Are you doing something for your mental health? What are you doing for your physical health? Are you moving your butt? Do something for your physical health. What are you doing for your spiritual health? Are you practicing your spiritual practice in some way? Even if you can't go meet with people or go to church or whatever, are you reading? Are you delving into what you believe and taking it a little further? Are you doing anything for your career, for your job? Are you studying? Are you learning a new piece? Are you increasing your keyboard skills? Are you doing something that would help you with your career? Are you doing something for your relationship? something you could do if you need to increase communication in your relationship is pull up my podcast on communication basics. There's another one on conflict resolution and another one on fair fighting. Pull up those three, listen to them with your partner, and increase your communication while you're home. It's free. You can come and see me and pay me the big bucks, but if you do it for free, sitting at a kitchen table with a pad and a paper, it's pretty cool. So your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health, your career, your relationship, family and friends. Connect up with them. Do something to prepare for your future, either it's how to recover financially from this whole COVID-19 thing, whatever. And then do something fun that's leisure. Do something in each of those categories, and you will survive. So let's all pull together. Let's know that we are Americans, and we are strong, and we can do this. So listen to my podcast, Dr. Patricia Bay, Therapy in a Nutshell. And I want to thank you for tuning in to the COVID-19 Blues today. This is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay. And this is Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice, Shasta Regional Medical Center.